Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller and Jake Seeley here with you today on July 29th. Jake, what's going on, my man? Uh, not too much. Just ready to <laughs> wrap up the week, honestly. It's been a long week, including the dumb DMV, and I still have another guest pod after this. It's just like, why does why everybody ask for the guest pods all in the same week? Like, yeah, does that happen to you too? Is like you get one and yeah. you're like, yeah, I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, it's like two people are like, hey, can you do Tuesday? Can you do Thursday? <laughs> like, can, yeah. we, can I do one a week? Can we just spread these out? <laughs> Jake, you're in demand. This is how it goes. I said this, you this too. I didn't say like only me. Oh, I know, I know. But you're 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 the only kid. You're in demand yeah. in a big way. Well, no, see, and if you know, the, the bubbling frustration is also for the fact that I'm watching the New York Rangers and New York Mets both sit on the sidelines while everybody <laughs> else does something. Like, can, this is why I, I can't stand my teams. I can't. This is what they do all the time. Like, hey, you're in contention, and like everybody's mm-hmm. doing stuff, and they're just like, eh, oh, we're good. We're just gonna watch and see, and we'll make this low level move, and that'll that'll move the needle. Rich Hill's not doing it for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sad thing is they need Rich Hill and 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 they still did it. And the Rangers too. They're like the New York Rangers. Anybody follows hockey? Chris Meany, everybody. Uh, same thing. It's like they're in contention. They're one of the best young groups in the league. And it's like go get another star, or do something. And instead, they trade mm-hmm. away their biggest star. Well, one of their biggest stars, and then sign these little ancillary pieces. And it's just kind of like, what are you doing? Hey, well, maybe the maybe the Mets are going to surprise you and they'll they'll uh, go get Max Scherzer after he makes this start in the first game of the uh, here, for the Nationals today. You know they're not going to trade in the division, and then on top of it, he wants to go to the West Coast. He can nix. Is the funny thing is, is he can't nix a trade, but he'll pull his ten and five rights and then nix the trade. So, yeah, that's a. Uh, anyway, Chris everybody's Bryant, just tuning out right now. Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, whatever, whatever the case might be for you. I'm, I'm, I got my fingers crossed for you that the Mets do something in the next, what, 30 hours or so leading up to the trade deadline. We're yeah. not here to talk about that. Don't, don't, As you say, we are here. Impressed. We're here to talk. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't care if the Mets do anything or not. I'm just hoping for you. But you and I are here <laughs> to talk about fantasy football. So that's what we're going to do. Let's get going on that. If we are on YouTube, you can see our uh, deal that we've got 33% off an annual subscription. If you go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. So do that. Check us out. We've got so much good stuff coming your way all football season long. Uh, Jake and I have got a lot of things to talk about on this episode. Fan, our, uh, uh, training camp news. We're starting to get the first bits of that with every team now in camp. Um, we've got some sleepers that we want to talk about. We have uh, some other things that we want to get to, some ADP battles, things of that nature. Uh, we've got all that lined up for you on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast here today. Of course, now that we're done with uh, running through each team's training camp, Jake, we can get back to guess that player. So let's start right there. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Clue number one, guess that player. I'm a consensus top 10 wide receiver, but was outside the top 20 in targets per game last season. So we're targets talking a very good game. player. Targets per game. Targets per game. I was outside the top 20, but everyone looks at me as a top 10 wide receiver this season. So we are talking a very good player, someone who's coming off the board. 
I would say by the end of the second round, very early in the third round at the absolute latest. But I think in most 12-teamers, he's probably off the board by the end of the second round. So that's who we're talking about here. And here is your first clue for Guess That Player. Uh, Jake, let's talk about some of the training camp news that we've got coming out of these first few days of training camp. Uh, The biggest one has to do with the Green Bay Packers. Everything working out in Green Bay in a way that I think ultimately we thought, at least in terms of Aaron Rodgers being a Packer, uh, the all the trade hubbub had pretty much died down to a point where it was clear that either he was going to be a Packer or he wasn't going to play this season. And things work out. He gets to Green Bay. He's at camp day one. Uh, he has a very um, honest and frank press conference. Randall Cobb on his way back to the Packers to make, uh, to make Aaron happy. But Everything works out. All's well that ends well. Let's start at the top with the Packers players, especially their two key fantasy guys, their two key skill players in Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Has anything changed for you in your rankings respective to those two guys now that we know Rodgers is here, is there, is going to be there for the entire season? No, because check the tape, check the film, go back. What did did I say from day one? That Rodgers was going to be here? Yes. I, I, I have never changed. It's from day one. I said Rogers is going nowhere uh, because these things just don't happen. And I've been on that the entire time. I was only going to change if I, and I even said it, I wouldn't be outright dumbfounded. I would have been shocked mm-hmm. if something happened, but I was going to adjust at the time. So no, he was, he's QB six. He's going to stay QB six uh, in my difference between my projections and my rankings. I mentioned the fact that he's higher in the projections. We talked about it briefly on one of the shows and the fact that 48 touchdowns, even if you only give him 40, it's still hard to keep him outside the top five, but with Dak pack with Lamar Jackson, with the rushing of the mm-hmm. upside of all the top five, quote-unquote, you know, some people might disagree on Dak Prescott being inside the top five, but all the running upside of them. I have him at six. I've had him at six. Devontae Adams have had it number one. Devontae Adams is mm-hmm. going to stay number one, <laughs> yeah. even with Randall Cobb back. Uh, here's a guess. It's not a guess that player, but a trivia thing. Do you know the last time, or actually, uh, which way do I want to phrase this? How about <laughs> how many times has Randall uh-huh. Cobb had 1,000 receiving yards? How many times has Randall Cobb had a thousand receiving yards um, once? That is correct. Do you remember when that was? Gosh, I would guess it was. What was that year? Like twenty? What was like that first Jordy Nelson year? Maybe not the first, but like twenty fifteen. Fourteen. You were close. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. And do you know what the second highest is since then? Second highest for Cobb since then, I'll say somewhere in like the low eight hundreds, eight twenty. Yeah, I think it was like eight forty. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, now that he's back in Green Bay, he's another interesting guy here. Do you do anything with him? You and I were just talking about him earlier this week when we ran through our AFC training camps and we were getting a little bit excited about Randall Cobb. Someone else other than Brandon Cooks has to catch passes in Houston. Now he goes back to Green Bay. Alan Lazard is here. Um, uh, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is here. Robert Tunyon has a pretty big role in the red zone for this offense. I'm trying to write down my uh, answer. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Write down that guess that player <laughs> answer. What I'm are you listening. thinking? What do you, I mean, on Randall Cobb going to Green Bay, is this good, bad, neutral? Where are you at on Cobb right now? It's He's the second best option on this team. But, you know, I updated my projections and rankings. And I, I, this is one of the ones that I'm not moving him up for his projections. Projections didn't even get him inside the top 50. And that's with, I think, around – what 700 some on yards let me see i think i have it still pulled up because i was working on it last night again i'm trying trying to make this thing work even better than it already does but (laughs) it works pretty well 
Uh, yeah, but somebody, it's, kudos if we can get it. I'm going to give this guy a free T-shirt. Uh, I'll give him a name. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give him a mention if we get this thing worked out. But he was mm-hmm. trying to get me worked out where it's even nicer. It works a little bit better. So I had, um, nope, that's the wrong one. So I can't tell you. Hold on a second. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it, but it's, it's coming. Like, like this, I'm building all the suspense. That's what I'm doing. You see that? See, that's what happens when I put it. Yeah, it's what happens when you put it in a different location and you forgot where you put the other one in a different location. I assume that this this is the change with Cobb is better offense but less opportunity for him. Uh yeah, so I have him for fifty seven receptions, six hundred and seventy yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, that's just yeah, seven, I mean seven touchdowns is or se- you know, that, four touchdowns. I don't know why I said okay. seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh I'm yeah, all over so the this map. is a yeah, so it's basically a neutral change, but right? That's... He loses the volume that was expected in Houston. He gains a better offense, and it sort of just comes out in the wash, it feels like, yeah, for Randall like, Cobb. Yeah, here. everybody else isn't going to go away. Again, Randall Cobb, that's why mm-hmm. I threw out that 800-some-odd number. And that's with 14% of the target share. That's a kind of a significant yeah. number, especially for a number two. You know, if he gets up to 20, all right, maybe we talk he's fantasy relevant more so than a wide receiver four or five. But uh, he kind of feels like, to me, you know, just somebody who used to play for this team that I actually love the player. He's got the best, still to this day, the best Madden video game highlight of all time. It's where he pulls up with the hamstring as soon as catching the ball and still runs everybody down. <laughs> like for the touchdown. If you know what I'm talking about, it's Greg Jennings. It's Greg Jennings towards the end of his career. I said, why am I drafting mm-hmm. Greg Jennings? It's the same as why am I drafting Frank Gore it, until he's still not even on a team right now. But it's why am I drafting a five that has zero upside? Like his upside yeah. is you can use him during the bye weeks. If your argument to draft somebody is I'm taking you for your for my bye weeks, don't even draft that player. Right. You can find someone who can fill that role, whether it's during the season, someone who actually has some upside and falls back into that role. That's a very findable piece. In Houston, does this change anything for you with respect to, I think, especially Nico Collins? There has to be a lot more upside surrounding him now that Cobb is gone. But anyone else, Kiki Kuti, anyone in Houston moving up your rankings and your projections? No, I don't think QT even makes the team, honestly. like He was just there because they were down to very little last year. Uh, this just goes back, honestly, is why Brandon Cooks is a ridiculous value, and now more mm-hmm. people are going to come around on him, which is a little frustrating. But uh, the truth is, is you know that that's he still is a value even yes. still today. Um, we talked about it on one of the shows. I think Nico Collins could be interesting, but again, he's a rookie. He's a rookie stepping into a team with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. So I wouldn't discount the fact that they brought in Anthony Miller to replace Randall Cobb. And not that I think Anthony Miller is going to stop Nico Collins in any way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Miller didn't even do anything with your Bears. But, no. you know, that's another piece there. The, 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 the Anthony Miller trade more frustrates me for my guys, Isaiah Coulter, who I think could be a terrific slot in the NFL. But, you know, didn't get off to a good start last year, dealt with some injuries, which hampered him as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if Coulter steps past him, but now it's just mm-hmm. a cluster. There's, I mean, Alex Erickson's on this team. Um, and there's one other guy. There's somebody else I'm forgetting. Who's the, there's like, they have like six wide receivers. And all of them, you can make argument to be like, oh, they're on the team opening day. And I'm, tr- I'm right. having a brain. F- Who's the other one? I'm trying to think. Not Andre yeah. Roberts. I wasn't even thinking of Andre. Oh, Chris Conley. Chris Conley's on this team. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, which is a, a guy who you figure is going to make the team, too. Yeah. Uh, unless, you know, maybe he just looks toast. But, yeah, there's just a lot of options here where I think it's just Brandon Cooks and then everybody else. All right, let's run through these last two quick uh, pieces of training camp news. The first one, Dak Prescott's dealing with a strained right shoulder. It's July 29th. We're not going to worry about it right now. At what point would you worry about it to the extent that it would change how you're drafting him and how you're ranking him? Mm, The third week of the preseason. But, I mean, at that point, 
you kind of things are already you know taken care of and a lot of people have already drafted at that point and it's almost too late to react at that so, so you, you know if i draft Dak, i always say if i draft the top six seven eight depending on who it is mm-hmm. quarterback i'm not drafting the second quarterback just because i'm never going to bench that quarterback outside of said bye week uh maybe if i was in a draft and Trevor Lawrence just didn't get taken. And there was, you know, 15 mm-hmm. quarterbacks taken and a lot of your league doesn't draft a second quarterback. Then I'd be like, all right, well, then I'll take him in the 14th round. But I'm saying yeah, that sure. to say if I draft Dak today, normally I wouldn't draft a second quarterback. But maybe because it's today, maybe I draft a Stafford in round 12 or mm-hmm. something like that, just in case. I think that's the right way to approach this. We are not yet worried about Dak Prescott or anyone surrounding him, except for Amari Cooper, who we are already a little bit concerned about. So now we've got two things to watch at Cowboys training camp, two injuries to keep our eye on. Another injury that we know is changing things in a big way is Michael Thomas. We haven't had the opportunity to talk about this just because of when it broke, uh, when the news broke, when the news came out on Michael Thomas and how much time he's going to miss this season. So let's say you're sitting down to draft a month from now. At what range do you say, all right, I'll take the shot on Michael Thomas? Well, let's just say it right now. I've actually had two drafts, and I've actually had people ask in the comments already, where would you take him to? Uh, I took him at 7-Eleven and, well, I was picking up a Slurpee. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I took him at the draft, like, I think late 7th, early 8th. So it's 80, 84th, oh, yeah, sure, mid-80s overall. Yeah. Look, you have six, maybe seven players already on your team, which means mm-hmm. you likely have two running backs, three wide receivers, and then something else, the two other guys, potentially at least one other. So you might have four wide receivers already. You might have three and three. You might already got. Anyway, the point being is you're drafting him at that point as a flex option, right? You're telling me flex, let's say worst case scenario, he misses the eight weeks. So seven games mm-hmm. because their buy is early. A lot of the talk has been that he's just going to come back after the buy. If the timeline works out properly, so let's just say you get that on top. So you're, you're missing seven instead of eight games, but you're still missing seven. The remaining, whatever, you know, if you make it to your playoffs, but even just say the regular season, the remaining five, six games of Michael Thomas, if he's 100%, which is why the risk is there. But if he is, he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver, especially if Jameis Winston's yep. at quarterback. So that's where I think the risk is there because what are you also drafting in the seventh, eighth, ninth round? similar type wide receivers who haven't done what Michael Thomas has done. You're drafting potential breakout guys, second year wide mm-hmm. receivers, you know, yep. somebody in a new situation, it's, that type of stuff. Let me just so, jump yeah. in and say, just for, for the sake of the context here. So I'm just looking at the ADP charts and guys who are going around that range that you talk about mid eighties wide receivers. Um, Juju's on here, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, Devonte Smith, who we're going to talk about in a second, Debo Samuel, Robbie Anderson. If that's where mm-hmm. Michael Thomas lands, those are going to be the wide receivers he's around. Yeah, and I'll take the upside of him over most all of those. I can see myself taking Robbie Anderson before I take Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we've had concerns and talks about it. I'm arguably the biggest DJ Chark fan, but let's talk about the difference between Chark and Thomas. We know Thomas is the number one. We know Thomas puts up ten to- top 10 wide receiver numbers. DJ Chark, I'm hoping he turns back into and hasn't even yet been a wide receiver one in fantasy. (laughs) Like, you know, so like those names that are there around him, I think that's why he's a worthy risk at that point. Yeah, that feels like the right landing spot for him. And it's really going to come down to, are you willing to take the shot on an injured player or are you not? That's really going to be how you determine the way that you go with Michael Thomas. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Jake, let's go on to guess that player. Here's the second clue. Even though I was outside the top 20 in targets per game, referring back to clue number one, I was inside the top five in target share for my team. So was my first guess. I wrote down two guesses because I think they both qualify for the first answer, but I think I'm going to, I'll leave them on there. I'm going to cross out the second one. Okay, nice. So there we go. So this is a guy who was outside the top 20 in targets per game, inside the top five in target share, and is widely taken, consensus taken, as a top 10 wide receiver in 2021. Let's move on to some sleeper talk, Jake. We are uh, obviously getting ready for drafts now that uh, we got August coming on Sunday. More people are going to be drafting, getting ready for their drafts. You and I have been mired in this for months now, so we have our arguments worked out. We're going to give a sleeper each at all four of the primary fantasy positions. Let's start at the running back position. I feel like I've heard you say this uh, so many times that I could probably do your argument for you, but... (laughs) Give the argument on Mike Davis as a sleeper. And let me just say before you get going, sleeper, we know 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it meant something different in an age where there are no guys who are totally uncovered. What we're really getting at is undervalued players. Sometimes they're going to be deep. Sometimes they're going to be a little shallower, but these guys are undervalued more so than no one's talking about them. So give it to us on Mike Davis. Yeah, and I explain all that in the first giant paragraph. Not even giant, just first paragraph of the article, and then still somebody in the comments, Mike Davis isn't a sleeper. (laughs) Also, here's the truth. It's like, we're, you know, jokes aside, we're speaking to everybody. We have to understand, like, for people out there listening right now, when you're like, not in my league, not in my league applies to everything. (laughs) Not in my league Uh applies to the, we've been playing for 20 years, nobody's inexperienced everybody's high like everybody's been drafting since Mm -hmm. february just to have fun but not my league is also the people are like oh mike davis isn't going to go in the fifth round in my league because my league doesn't start campaigning they're the ones that bring magazines that have been on the shelves for three months (laughs) to the draft so we're we're covering everybody here so that's why uh, that's why it's undervalued and i think for at least still a while longer because he's not moving up and i don't get it and we're still talking about it (laughs) <laughs> Mike Davis going, I just took him in the fifth round again the other day. He's the fifth round for somebody who I have nearing a thousand rushing yards. I have nearing a right around 300 touches on the season for about 240, 250 carries because why who's his competition? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Look at that backfield. It, it's, it's him. And I'll bring Daryl Henderson in this conversation too. Daryl Henderson outside of injury. Both of these guys now there's nobody back there. There are guys who are like, okay, maybe Xavier Jones. Okay, maybe Kadri Olsen takes a couple short yardage type of things. Maybe Javion Hawkins makes the team and steals a little bit of the passing game. But Mike mm-hmm. Davis is a good pass catcher. Until either of these teams brings somebody in, 
And even if it was Adrian Peterson, I still wouldn't care. It's volume. You tell me yep. you're going to get 300 touches, you're going to be a top 15 almost running back, even if you're on the worst team in the NFL. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm in the middle of like eight best ball drafts right now, and I feel like I have Mike Davis in five of them because of that volume, that unquestioned volume that we know is going to be there for him. And contrary to what we think is going to happen with Daryl Henderson, at least you know as we maybe get a little closer to the season, I feel like the Falcons, if they were going to make another move in the backfield, they would have done it by now. I think the, their offseason in the backfield is uh, sign Mike Davis, get Javian Hawkins, and there you go, and they're going to run it with this backfield. So I am right there with you on Mike Davis. think he is one of the best bargains in drafts right now. My running back sleeper is going to be James Conner. You and I have talked about this a lot. You and I are on the, I think, identical line of the identical page of the Cardinals' backfield. There's no argument for taking Chase Edmonds where he's going versus James Conner where he's going. There's just no argument. And maybe we end up being wrong about Chase Edmonds. I don't think we're going to be wrong about Chase Edmonds. I think that he is not only... uh, do, do the Cardinals want to cast him as a complimentary part-time player? But he's probably better cast as a complimentary part-time player, not someone who you task with taking on 70% of a backfield. And so even if James Conner is sharing it, James Conner is priced as a guy who is sharing a backfield, whereas Chase Edmonds is priced as a guy who is the clear leader of a backfield. And so you look at that, you look at James Conner's history when he's been healthy, you look at what the Arizona offense uh, should be able to put its uh, key players, the situations they should be able to find themselves in in terms of racking up yards, racking up points, and everything points to James Conner being a, a great bargain. A guy who is what going outside the top 35 at the position, I want to say, and uh, just... Uh, yeah, oh, wow, right outside the top 35. RB 36 right now by hmm. ADP. And just, I'm not saying he's going to blow that away and be a top 20 running back, but I think he easily outpaces that number. And there's a route to him being a top 20 running back. So I'm all over James Conner. Yeah, yeah, we've had this conversation a couple times here. But here's one for you. Do you know how many times in, now granted it's only three years, but how many times in Chase Edmonds' career he's had more than eight carries? Eight. <laughs> Uh, God, well, there was the game against the Giants where he started out of nowhere and went for like 130 yards and three touchdowns. Um, We'd have to mention that was so one of them. more yeah. than eight, more than eight carries. I mean, six. Nope, split it in half. Three, <laughs> yeah, three go. times he's carried the ball over eight times, and it was 27, 11, and 25. So. Uh-huh. You know, people will point to the 27-25. It's like, no, no, no. This They really had yeah. no other options. I'm with you. Like, yep. the Cardinals don't want him to be – like, it's clear. They've had like, the opportunity he, to do it, and they've never done it. Exactly. So, you know, we got the report today that this is going to be a hot hand. But, well, that just even pushes more to the fact that, if nothing else, James Conner and Chase Edmonds should be basically going back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just give me all the James Conner I can get so long as this is the uh, breakdown between these two backs. Let's get to your wide receiver sleeper here, Jake. Devontae Smith is the guy. Another guy who I, I want to – we are going to have a disagreement somewhere down uh, – maybe a little bit later. I, I want to disagree with you somewhere. It's just more fun, but, I mean, Devontae Smith, he's just walking right into 110 targets in Philly's offense. It probably, well, I was going to say at least would be a decent argument to make is because let's say even let's say it's Hurts, 550 pass attempts, being a little bit conservative that they'll be one of the lower teams because of Hurts and Hurts rushing himself. So even 550 to get to that, that's not even a 20 percent target share like that's just that's under that still. So you could conceivably see him, you know, get to the 120, the 130 potentially if 
he's the Devontae Smith for what we've seen in college. And outside of the size, which people want to throw out there, like it's the death knell of his career already. Uh, you know, that's this, we've seen other players in different situations where size doesn't matter. So I, I'm not this, I'm not the one where I'm sitting here and be like, he's not going to have limitations because of his side to, to ignore this size completely. He's never going to be an alpha AJ Brown wide receiver, but he doesn't need to be, you know, Tyreek Hill is not AJ Brown size. You know, again, mm-hmm. a little bit different too. And he's still bigger than Devontae Smith, but point being, uh, yeah, I have him for 113. That's what I was pulling off. I have 113 targets and that's with Jalen Rager having 97. That's with Dallas Goddard having 95. And Zach Ertz still lingering around with 57. <laughs> you know, if Zach Ertz is gone, I don't think you're going to see all of his 57 go to Fulgham, Ward, and everybody else. You might see yep. some more sprinkled into Devontae Smith. So, yeah, it's just it's another volume thing. You know, how many times have mm-hmm. we said on this show, I'm going to continue to hammer this point home, is one of the most underrated stats, if you want one, that people can use is volume. Look at touches and share of the offense. That's what you want. That's exactly what you want. Devontae Smith's going to have plenty of that in Philly this season. I'm going to go to just the Lions. <laughs> you want to talk about what, volume, the, right? The team? No, you got to pick one. You can't. You some, can't just blanket them. <laughs> but they're they're all sleepers because they're all like they're all undervalued to some degree. Because I mean, oh they wait, are... I'll disagree. I don't think all of them are. So go ahead. All right, so there's so someone's going to be the wide receiver one by default on this team. Someone's going to lead all wide receivers in targets, and that person is going to have somewhere in the neighborhood probably of 100 targets. I don't know if right now if it's going to be Prashad Perriman. I don't know if it's going to be Tyrell Williams. I don't know if it's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. Someone is going to do that. It just, it, it's just, I mean, Jared Goff's going to throw the ball 600 times, 550 times, something like that. They're going to be trailing a lot. This is going to be probably the worst team or one of the two worst teams in the NFL. There's going to be a lot of volume, I think, for the passing game. And another thing that is a little bit, I feel like, under-talked about with this Detroit team, because we're just assuming they're going to be bad, and frankly, they are going to be bad, is that they actually should have a pretty decent offensive line with what they've got across the front. They took <laughs> the Penae, they invested in. Right? Yeah, they took Penay Sewell in the first round. They have, uh, they've got Taylor Decker still here. They've got Frank Ragnow coming back uh, as the center. I mean, there's a lot of good on this offensive line. And so I think they're going to give Jared Goff time to do stuff. What, what, the, what, what, are, what he does with it is remains to be seen. But there's still going to be a lot going on with uh, the offensive line giving them time. And so I think one of these receivers is going to emerge, and they're all taken outside the top 60 at the group. Okay, but pick one. I lean toward pick Prashad one. Perriman. I'll pick Prashad okay. Perriman as the guy to go to. But I like <laughs> investing in a Lions receiver late in drafts. Okay, receive. I can I can see that. I was gonna say for the team. I was gonna say where he's going. He's starting to slide back. I think there's enough people out there who agree with my sentiment that DeAndre Swift's was being overdrafted. He was getting mm-hmm. pushed up towards the RB one territory. And for Anthony Lynn and what we know about Anthony Lynn in general, he's gonna get the Austin Eckler treatment now. Is DeAndre Swift on the same tier of talent as Austin Eckler? I argue yes. You know how much I love DeAndre Swift. Is he on the Chargers offense? No, he's on the Lions offense. Jamal Williams is better than anybody else behind Austin Eckler. So all that being said, the receivers, I was initially with you. I was drafting Bashard Perriman in a lot of places until Chris Burke went through my projections. Uh, Similar, we've had a couple Aaron uh, Rice, Reese, is it Reese or Rice? Aaron for the Texans. Reese. Yep, Reese. Aaron Reese of the Texans has done this every year. I've been with the with the athletic. A couple of the guys do it, but it goes through my projections and then gives thoughts from their side of things, from the B side mm-hmm. side of things. 
And he said, you know, nobody on the receiving core that I have has over 750-ish yards. I don't remember off the top of my head exactly. He goes, I think Jake could be right, but the one where I lean slightly different is I have Perriman slightly in front of Tyrell Williams. He said if healthy, he leans towards Williams because of the Anthony Lynn connection because they brought him in and that he's familiar with that offense Mm -hmm. of what they're going to run. So I was with you, but I'm with you in the fact that if it's one, if they do end up with one clear mm, 17% of the market share, which isn't even that big for a wide receiver, that person is going to be undervalued. So I'll take a, I've done a draft where I've taken a flyer on Williams and Brashard Perriman. Now, granted, yeah. it has to be best ball because nobody's drafting 24 rounds in your Only normal. Only in best ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, hopefully we get some clarity by the time, yeah. you know, people are doing their drafts in the second, third week of the preseason. To give you an idea of just where that target share would rank that Jake just mentioned, 17%, not very much. Michael Gallup got 17.02% of uh, the Cowboys' targets last season. He was 43rd among receivers in target yeah. share. So it's really not and asking much. these guys much are going for- with the 60s? Yeah, all of them are going in the 60s. Um, 70s? So very, and, and then just on, on Tyrell Williams, four straight seasons with at least 40 catches, 650 yards, and four touchdowns. So there has been a floor to his performance. Except for, uh, except for last year. year when yes, yeah, exactly. When he uh, when he you know didn't didn't play. So not last year, but four straight seasons before that with those numbers. Quarterbacks are up next. Joe Burrow, your quarterback sleeper again. This is undervalued. People know who Joe Burrow is. Don't come and be pedants <laughs> at us here. But undervalued, why? Where, where is, it? is he? Is he good? I don't know. Like, <laughs> did he? Was he good so, in college? Did he have a good college career? I, I, I don't know. I, was not, he? So, <laughs> and so where I see undervalued is because I mean I'm in a draft right now, and I hope nobody's listening. Uh, I've already taken Jalen Hurts. Now, granted, it's best ball. Yeah, you know what? I would even do this in redraft <laughs> because I love Jalen Hurts, but just, yeah. there is risk. There is risk that Jalen Hurts is not even the lead that they turn to Joe Flacco. Um, different coaching staff. No one have ties to Jalen Hurst. They could change their mind in a heartbeat. So Joe Burrow still sitting there is not going as a QB one <laughs> and sitting there around Stafford and those kind of guys and Matt Ryan and ADP. I think it's the injury concern because other than that, 40 attempts per game. And that was, you know, Joe Mixon was healthy for, I think all, if not most of that um, before Joe Burrow got himself hurt. Like half of it, right? Yeah, at least. And on top of this is like, okay, 40 is a kind of a absurd number, but you look at the Bengals and even with Joe Mixon, oh, he's got Jamar Chase now too. He's going to, in my opinion, and for my projections, lead the league in passing attempts. Mm. And if you look at what he did last year, the other thing I bring up, I always reference the 2016 uh, Falcons to say, we remember how absurd their touchdown rate was. And everybody said the next year, don't bank on that touchdown percentage because you have to regress to the mean. You can have one-off seasons, but that's not the norm. And you can go the other direction. Joe Burrow, for how many yards, attempts, and completions he had last year was the opposite direction. Most quarterbacks would have at least 50% more touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So you talk about, a chase in there uh, just again no AJ Green kind of sandbagging it out there you know maybe yeah. like he was just like he didn't really care and now he's going to be great with the Cardinals but all that being said it's really again volume 650 attempts you give me 650 attempts from as much as I hate Jared Goff and mm-hmm. I would say Jared Goff deserves to be inside the top 15 maybe not QB1 because he's Jared Goff but mm-hmm. 650 attempts of any quarterback Lamar yeah. Jackson throwing 650 times and never running. <laughs> I'm going to put that on it. And never running would still be in the argument for a top 15 quarterback. 
Yeah, yeah. That's I feel like that's that's the most overlooked. You said volume. I think quarterback volume is the most overlooked thing that we have I'm in fantasy football going. And so Joe Burrow definitely deserves to be thought of, I think, as a top 10 quarterback. I'll give you mine really quick because I got some other things I want to talk about more than, than what we still have on the sleeper docket. Tua Tungavailoa, I'm just going to make the argument really simple, and then we're going to go to your tight end, um, to your tight end sleeper. Tua was <laughs> widely viewed. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Tua was widely viewed as one of the best quarterback prospects uh, of the last couple of years, of the last maybe 10 years. Uh, and then he has the hip injury, still gets drafted very highly, uh, has Ryan Fitzpatrick over his shoulder. The Dolphins are suddenly um, contenders, and they're trying to straddle the fence, to use your phrase, and where they're, they've built an offense that they want to work for both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavailoa, and that's just not going to work. Uh, they need to throw Fitzpatrick back in there because, hey, we're a 10-win team. We might make the playoffs here. we got to have our best quarterback, who last year, frankly, was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Pandemic season as a rookie, didn't have a real training camp, didn't get to play any preseason games. First time he's playing real football, he gets thrown in. Uh, as the starter uh, for Miami. I mean, everything works against him. This year, he gets to take a breath. He gets a real summer, a real training camp, OTAs, minicamp, all that. Another year removed from the hip injury. Unquestionably the starter. He's going to get to play some preseason games. He's familiar with the offense. He gets added. Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell. Uh, that's it. That's the argument for Tua Tungavailoa as a quarterback sleeper. You can still get him as barely inside in most leagues outside the top 20 quarterbacks. Let's move on to tight ends here. Jonu Smith is your tight end sleeper. We know that he's going head-to-head on his own team with Hunter Henry. I guess my more, my question for you, I think the Jonu Smith as sleeper argument is relatively uh, self-evident. Why are you more on Jonu than you are on Henry? On Hunter Henry? Well, yeah. I'm also more on Jonu because you guys stole my Adam Trotman, and I like I didn't want to triple up it, like having you mentioned Adam <laughs> this Trotman. This does come, these sleepers do come from uh, a sleeper column that we put out a couple of weeks ago when we launched the draft kit. So right, keep the that staff. in mind I should, I should have yeah. sent, when I sent out the request, I should have said, leave Adam Trotman alone. He's mine. <laughs> um, but see, it was, here's the other thing. I already covered Adam Trotman in depth in my yeah. breakout tight end article. Go read that as well. I did breakout mm. quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I also, That's part of it, too, is I wanted to include somebody, and that's why I avoided some deeper guys is because I wanted to avoid people I wrote up significantly in those columns. Yeah. So Mike Davis really wasn't in there. He had touched on him. But anyway, so Janu, it just comes down to the argument that I've made for Janu this entire offseason is if you take Hunter Henry versus Janu, it's the Rob Gronkowski versus Aaron Hernandez situation back when they played together. They both were great, but one is more dominant in the receiving game. Hunter Henry is a great all-around tight end. You could say O.J. Howard, that he got screwed over as we got frustrated with Bruce Arians before he even got hurt, was he kept asking O.J. Howard to block because he's a good blocker. That, you know, that's to his detriment in fantasy. That's to his de- detriment for what we want in production. Cameron Brait was b- doing better receiving numbers because mm-hmm. he's not as good. And he's like similar receiver, but not as good as blocker. Hunter Henry... Better blocker, arguably. There's some people that say Jono's underrated, but yes, but Hunter Henry is a little bit more complete. Jono is a matchup problem for any defense, if healthy, and that's really what it comes down to. I think their numbers are going to be pretty close, and I think they could easily be one and two in this offense as receivers, quote-unquote, receiving this team, but I think of the two, Jono is going to be asked to block fewer times than Hunter Henry will be. I like, yeah, I think that I think that adds up, and that's another position where another situation where with these New England tight ends, like I think it makes some sense if you haven't invested heavily in the tight end position, you know, throw a dart at one of these guys, and if it doesn't work out, there's going to be other people you can I will turn say, to. Later I was, in the this season. is one worth. We talked about like what are we going to be watching and listening mm-hmm. for. 
Yeah. Watch this situation. If it's the reverse, go get Hunter Henry. Like, watch yeah. what they're doing. Like, read the beat reports at see if they're in line. You know, John Smith has been blocking, blocking, blocking. And Hunter Henry's running all the routes. Then flip mm-hmm. it. It's going to go the other direction and watch what happens in the preseason. This is one to monitor because this is another stat that's out there. You can look at number of routes run in general, even if he's not targeted. Look at the routes run Just of Hen- the- Hunter, Hunter Henry versus John Smith. Who's running more routes at tight end? That's what you want to know. You know, another one that you can keep an eye on is in Chicago with Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham. Because Jimmy Graham, you know, for for what the Chicago offense was last season, uh, which was pretty ugly, Jimmy Graham caught 50 passes for 456 yards and eight touchdowns. And he was a monster in the red zone. There's no doubting that. Um, And there's no guarantee that Cole Komet can just do that if he's given Jimmy Graham's workload. But 50 catches, 76 targets, 456 yards, eight touchdowns. If Cole Komet is suddenly the guy at tight end for this team, and he's doing it with Justin Fields for the balance of the season rather than uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles the way that um, that Jimmy Graham did last season, I think you could see Cole Komet put up similar type numbers, similar type fantasy bottom line. Maybe it's not eight touchdowns, but it's more than 50 catches and 456 yards. And so fantasy-wise, it comes out in the wash, and, and you've got an equal sort of produ- producing player I really like Cole Komet if he is taking over the lion's share of the tight end routes run in Chicago. Yeah, I know you do. The bear's (laughs) share of tight end routes run. I know you do too, Jake. Oh, yeah, 100%. I am actually bullish and not bearish on Cole Komet throughout (laughs) all these stupid animal things. Uh, Yeah, I am a huge Cole Komet fan. I do think he's going to take over. Hopefully, Jimmy Graham slides back Mm -hmm. even further. It was very touchdown reliant last year. I actually also think that the trade of Anthony Miller helps Cole Komet a little mm-hmm. bit even more um, because you can see some more 12 from this team before Jimmy Graham completely goes away. I would say you said Justin Fields, and that's what we're all praying for. We're also mostly pl- praying for Justin Fields for Darnell Mooney because if yes. you didn't see the report <laughs> this morning, what was Darnell Mooney doing? Running wide open and being misthrown by Andy <laughs> Dalton. But I bring it up to say this. Cole Komet's less affected by that. Yeah. If it's Andy Dalton, Cole Komet will still be fine. Cole Komet's yep. fine either way. It's the, 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 so that's why I was bringing that in. It's like I'm still on Cole Komet, even if we do worry about Andy Dalton being out there for mm-hmm. half the season. Yeah. I don't. Uh, hopefully, it's not going to be half the season. There's a very Please. obvious okay. point <laughs> to get to get Justin Fields in there uh, right around week four, and so maybe uh, we'll see I mean, that. But. We're talking about the 49ers are open to Trey Lance <laughs> starting week one, and the Bears don't want to start Justin Fields week one. What the? Uh, <laughs> this this team it was never going to be easy with this team when it comes to getting over that quarterback hump and even if Justin Fields is the guy that finally does something for this franchise there's going to be one last uh fighting against the franchise history before he is in there for sure Andy so keep Dalton an eye on Cole walk Komet. out there in a arm sling and they'll be like no nah, we're, we're, we're good we're week, one, week one you know we're the 2017 <laughs> Chiefs right and we and so Andy Dalton's our Alex Smith and Justin Fields is our Patrick Mahomes and we're not veering <laughs> From no, that please not whatsoever. that. That was only what three games from Mahomes in his rookie season? Was it only it was three? One. Wasn't it? It was one. It was one. It was one. No, start. I he got two. on the field a few times. Oh, yeah, he maybe start. appeared. Yeah. yeah, he maybe appeared yeah. in three games, but it was once. It Just, was week yeah, seventeen that, that he started. Please not. Oh my that. god. Well, the, the Bears are, you know, I don't think we're, that's going to be that, but the Bears are sort of fashioning themselves as those twenty seventeen <laughs> Chiefs. So, you know, we'll see if they can if they can follow that model. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Jake, let's, uh, let's, we might have to cut one thing out here, so I'm going to go to this. ADP battle. This is something we're going to try to do every episode uh, of this the rest of the summer because we know you guys out there are going to be having to make some tough decisions, and you might like two players, but you know you can only have one of them. So we're going to try to present both sides of arguments for you. The one we're looking at today is at the running back position, and you see it right there on your screen. If you're just listening, the battle is Raheem Mostert versus Javante Williams. Raheem Mostert, by ADP, is the RB26, going at pick 66.7 in ADP. Javante Williams, the RB27, pick number 68. Jake, I checked out your rankings. You have these guys right by each other, but obviously you have a preference for one. I have a preference for the other one, so you make the case for Javante Williams over Raheem Mostert. Oh, well, you said you have them very close. Uh, I was going to say, can I get both of them? <laughs> I do like well, yeah, but no, that's what I'm saying. This is this is the so, point. We're talking about decisions that you're going to have to make. You can only have right. one. If you can only have <laughs> one, your ranking say Javante. So why is it Javante? Yeah. Uh, it really comes down to is who do I think has the better second half value? And that's really what okay. it comes down to. As I do think they end up pretty similar in overall season value. But where I want to say, you know what? Playoff stretch trying to get into the playoffs, being in the playoffs, who's definitively, in my mind, I'm not saying I'm a right, 100% right. You know, 70% is a great number to mar- hit. I mean, that's what we usually hit. But if I'm right in my assumption, Javante Williams is 100% the guy down the stretch. Raheem yep. Mostert, whether by injury, whether by Shanahan using 14 running backs in a given week, whether it's that Trey Sermon is leading the backfield at that point, or – Wayne Gallman's leading the backfield at that point. Like, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm looking for Javante Williams to be that guy. And I've said that multiple times on the show that I thought it was going to be week six or seven. Now I think it could be even earlier with what is going on with Melvin Gordon. So Javante Williams for me, I don't dislike Raheem Mostert. It's just more yeah. about who do I want down the stretch. That's the point of it. So it's easy to make a decision, even if guys are close in ADP, if you don't like one of them. I like Javante Williams also. So this that's what makes this a hard decision and why we're battling it out 
I prefer Raheem Mostert, basically because we've already seen what good Raheem Mostert does, and we've seen what good San Francisco offense does, and that good San Francisco offense prioritizes Raheem Mostert, and good Raheem Mostert takes advantage of what is arguably the best in running environment in the NFL, and certainly one of the top three or four running environments in the NFL. It goes back to Kyle Shanahan being probably the best run game schemer that is currently in the league right now, back to his days in Atlanta as the offensive coordinator right there. And, you know, Raheem Mostert's numbers, they speak for themselves. Back in 2019, when he played all 16 games, he turned 137 carries into 772 yards and eight touchdowns, 5.6 yards per carry. Last year, injuries limited him to eight games. That is the concern with Raheem Mostert. But in those eight games, 521 yards on 104 carries, just two touchdowns. There's a little bit of variance there, five yards per carry. The guy rips off chunk plays, and that's another reason why I'm not super concerned about the pass game volume. Over the last two seasons, he's had 41 targets, so you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of one and a half, maybe two targets per game. But he's turned that into 30 catches for 336 yards and three touchdowns. 76-yard touchdown he had last season. He had a receiving long of 39 yards in 2019. Like the chunk plays in a way will help make up for the lack of receiving volume that we frankly have to admit is going to be part of what Raheem Mostert deals with this season. So he is someone who I do like very much, someone who I like a little bit better than Javante Williams. And at RB26, I feel very good about going after. Um, with Raheem Mostert, you know, you talk about everything, you make a very good case for Javante Williams. But with Raheem Mostert, um, is there, do you like him at this spot versus where Trey Sermon is going? I like them both of their spots. Honestly, I think both of them are right now. Well, depending, you might have some over aggressive drafters uh, because the shiny new toy every single year who like drafting rookies mm-hmm. in general like that. But at their ADPs, Sermon's ADP is still reasonable right now uh, because yeah, let's even say they just split the backfield the entire year. Uh, okay. What did Kyle Shanahan do with the last time he had two great running backs, the two great, and again, different offense, but they were two mm-hmm. great running backs. That's why I bolded that in my speech. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman were finishing both as top 15 running backs. Multiple yeah. weeks, they were finishing top five together for the for the week. There was a week where they were one-two in fantasy. <laughs> and I was not saying to draft both. I'm just saying that's why I'm okay with both. By the way, you can always, I get mocked for that. I'm sure everybody out there sitting there, I put an L in both because I'm from the north. Both? Bo- both. Both. Yeah. Instead of B-O-L-T-H. Both. I can't say both. I guess. Both? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brown again. She's upset. Yeah, about she this. well, she hates it too. But you're totally right on that. That when you get you like looking back at what Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman did alongside one another, it's easy to see Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon doing that alongside one another as well. And then just for reference, we've got yeah, Trey Sermon is RB forty by ADP right now outside the top one hundred players. I'm not going to draft both Mostert and Sermon, but if I miss out on Mostert, I'm happy to circle back to Sermon as much as I like Mostert because it does feel like the situation where they're going to be splitting. And if we're going to trust one coach to make the most out of both of these guys, Raheem Mostert, or excuse me, Kyle Shanahan would be that coach. Something else I want to do every episode as we uh, get closer and closer to draft season is just highlight a player that we haven't talked about much. We can't necessarily fit into some of the strictures that we have in the show. We're just going to call it a player spotlight. Today, I want to talk a little bit about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, uh, obviously the big trade, sending him over to the Rams, has a lot of people excited about him. But because of the limitations in his game, and limitations we mean no running, he still is going as the QB12 by ADP uh, behind guys 
like Ryan Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, just in front of Jake's boy Joe Burrow. Understandable that he goes there. My question to you, Jake, is are, are we missing out on some sort of ceiling with Matthew Stafford? Because you go back to that one great year that Jared Goff had when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. He was QB6 by total points, QB9 by points per game. We all assume that Matthew Stafford is a far superior quarterback to Jared Goff. He still has those guys in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup that Jared Goff had. Maybe a little bit of a ceiling reduction for the offense with Cam Akers being out for the year, but not a huge one. Daryl Henderson, a perfectly capable running back to fill in for Akers. Is there something to Matthew Stafford's game that we're just missing a little bit, or is it the fact that he doesn't run is going to limit any quarterback in the current environment? And that's what it comes down to, and this is where I'll go with it is, I, I love Matthew Stafford for the value as in that Ryan Tannehill, but he doesn't even run like Ryan Tannehill. So what it comes down to is it's what we just saw Tom Brady do. That's what he needs to do mm-hmm. to get to QB 10, and maybe? Yeah, that, would, that, that made Brady QB 8 last uh, season, well, what he did? And actually, well, I'm going to – for points per game, Tom Brady last year was only QB 10 in points per game. And that's dropping Marcus Mariota's one game out because we're not including that. So yeah, <laughs> when you go in points per game, Tom Brady was 10th last year, right behind yep, Herbert right. and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, actually tied with Ryan Tannehill at 21.1. You take Matthew Stafford's best career season. Do you know what you want to guess where he would be? Um, this, this, is in, two, now, in, this is two. Now this is This is 2011 when he threw for <laughs> 5,000 yards and 41 touchdowns. Yeah, Those numbers are pretty uh, similar to somebody we're talking about, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, so they would be they would be right in there. They would, so he would be was, he would be what like QB nine with those numbers. 10. QB eight? Ten. He would bump Tom yeah. Brady out because he was point one in front of Tom Brady. He was twenty one point two that year. Since yeah. then, his best season since was twenty nineteen, where he started off pretty hot and then got hurt, and that mm-hmm. was at twenty point. Let me pull him up. Twenty point eight. It was eight games. He had he was on pace for five thousand yards and thirty eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And that would put him behind Tom Brady last year at QB 11. Crazy. So he, that's the thing is he has to throw 5,000 yards and close to 40 touchdowns <laughs> 40 just touchdowns. to get to the back end and points per game for QB one status. And it's not that I hate Stafford. And if he did that, he would get inside the top 10 because we'll probably get an injury or two, right. but we're not, you're not drafting banking on a quarterback getting hurt in front of him. We're, and you mm-hmm. said about the ceiling. Yes, the ceiling is there, but the ceiling has to be what we just saw Tom Brady do. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why you still see Tom Brady ranked as low as he does. That's why Aaron Rodgers can be coming off the season that he's coming off with 48 touchdowns and five interceptions and still be your QB six. And I think you're probably higher on him than most at QB six. It's just like it. the right. The reality. Uh, well, you know, it's 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 Mahomes and Allen and Kyler and Lamar and Dak and Russell Wilson. Right. And then, I mean, I can understand the Wilson over over Rodgers. I don't get the Herbert over Rodgers, which you're seeing quite a bit of. Uh, don't get me started on that. That's a show. That's a whole. That's that's half of a show to do for. <laughs> that is definitely one that I don't understand. But something that I think we will get onto a couple of weeks from now as we talk about something from a different viewpoint of the fantasy football world. Let's talk about our guest, that player joke one or joke Jake. One more joke? clue. You're joke. not a joke. You're a very serious man. One more clue. Yeah. Uh, for guess that player, uh, I'm part of a club that includes only Odell Beckham and Anquan Bolden. This is the third receiver in a group that only Odell Beckham and Anquan Bolden belonged to before he joined it. So to refresh your memory, clue number one. (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you. I think I think you probably have the right guy, but I'll tell you. Party in Vegas club. Consensus. Are they all spent time on a boat? Is that what this is? I bet they have. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm sure they have, but that's not. But that, but there's way more people in that club than just Anquan Bolden, Odell Beckham, and our guest that player. Consensus top ten wide receiver this season, outside the top twenty in targets per game. Clue number two. I was outside the top 20 in targets per game, but inside the top five in target share. Clue number three, last year I joined a club that previously only included Odell Beckham and Anquan Bolden. Jake, who you got here? So this, I, I told you, I wrote down two names. The second clue uh-huh. maybe cross out CeeDee Lamb yep. and stick with, stick with A.J. Brown. It is not A.J. Brown. It's not A.J. Brown. It's Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Wow, Just- he wasn't in targets per game? Justin Jefferson was 21st in targets per game, 7.8. Wow. Yeah. I would have I would have never guessed that. I, I completely How about that? that. So we did go. all that damage. The club that he is in with Odell and Bolden is 80 catches, 1,300 yards, and five touchdowns as a rookie. And he blew the 88 catches, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns is what Justin Jefferson gave you as a rookie. More, I thought he had more receptions than that. Wow. Yeah, then, which, and which is why that I always said the targets were higher. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Beckham and Bolden, the only other guys that do that. Are, now, wait, wait, wait. Are you trying to poo-poo and say he's going too high? No. I think he's going I think he's going in the right spot. I think you and I have him in the same spot. You're, at, you're Jefferson over DK, right? Oh, yeah. I just poo-pooed yes, DK. All right. Honestly, yeah, so, so am I. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also Jefferson over DK. I've got him sixth behind Devontae, Tyreek, Diggs, um, Hopkins. Ridley, Hopkins. And Ridley. Ridley. Ridley fourth, yeah, Hopkins fifth, Jefferson sixth is my same, top six. Same. I'm just Adams saying Hill, that I think even Diggs, with Ridley, Hopkins, Jefferson, Adams Hill, Diggs, Ridley, Hopkins, Hopkins Jefferson, Jefferson in that order. Yeah, that's the same top six I have. Look at us, Jakey. Look at us. Um, now, I, what I'm saying with Justin Jefferson is that, like, even with Dalvin Cook hogging the large share of the offense that he does, I think there's room for growth. I mean, 7.8 targets per game, that would be malpractice if Justin Jefferson gets 7.8 opportunities to make plays for you this season. It's just I'm I'm with you in the fact that it's uh, I was just doing Bob Harris's show. That was one of the many shows that people have. And I'll never say no to Bob. He's the godfather of fantasy. Uh, but you know, is that I was one of the people who had concerns of his ability to succeed outside as a rookie because uh-huh. I didn't think he would suck outside. By admittedly, this is somebody who we saw in college very much in the slot, in that big slot role, yeah. like a Juju Smith-Schuster. I actually drew comparisons to Juju Smith-Schuster. I said, that's why, until we see that he's going to take that next step and grow in that area, it's warranted to be concerned about that. He blew away my expectations. He blew away a lot of people's expectations of yes, being able did. to succeed as much as he did outside. So with that out the window... And similar to T. Higgins, like I thought T. Higgins was a little raw. And obviously with the A.J. Green situation, he was able to step up earlier. But mm-hmm. so T. Higgins is a year ahead of where I projected him to be. So is Justin Jefferson. By that default puts him already in this conversation with potential even more because he's ahead of where I would even thought he would be already. I mean, if he grows the gap that he had with uh, Adam Thielen last season, and Adam Thielen's target share was 22.27, Jefferson's was fifth among receivers, 25.77. If he grows that gap, even just like a percentage point, right? So he's up to like 26 pushing 27, and Thielen's down around 20. I mean, arrows up for a guy who already gave you 88, 1407 as also, a rookie. That's why you can play with my projections. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, what do you, you want to put him up to what? 27 and a half percent. Sound like a good number. Well, where do you have, where, where is projections for him right now? Actually, I'm almost, I had him almost exactly aligned with last year. Okay. Yeah. Let's, so, yeah, let's, I, I would, let's, let's bump him up to 27. If he was, if you had him in line with the 25.7 last year. 
So that just puts it. So where were that? Uh, let me go back to now. Update the rankings and see where he lands. Let's see if this gets him <laughs> over. Seeing this four. in real time, how you can play with Jake's rankings in real this, time, right here. This that just doing that, just putting him up to twenty-seven, pushes him ahead of Hopkins, and he's one point for the entire season behind Calvin Ridley. There you go. I mean, there's. I think there's a big season in here, and by time I, by time I'm, I mean, I'm, I've got a bunch of best balls going. Who doesn't? Uh, but I, but by time I'm really sitting down to draft my actual teams. I could see myself talking in talking myself. And that's into by the way, Justin without Jefferson touching his top five. That was only his target share. I didn't touch down his touchdown share. Yeah. So if I boosted his touchdown share even one percent as well, that would have pushed him in front of Calvin Ridley. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I think there's another I think there is a step forward potentially for Justin Jefferson. It's hard to get past the fourteen hundred yard mark again, especially for a team that's gonna run the way that Minnesota is. But I think fantasy bottom line, there's a year where he has more catches maybe and more touchdowns, even if the yards come down a little bit. So Love, love, love what Justin Jefferson is going to provide for us in week two or season two. We hope that you love, love, love what we provided for you on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, 33% off an annual subscription to The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. Mike Beller, Jake Sleely, we've been with you all week because we really care about you. Brandon Funston, that guy who takes vacations at the end of July, he doesn't give a damn, but he will be back. next. We'll let him back on the show next week. All three of us will be with you on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you all soon.